Well, it's just such a joy and honor to come and open the word with you. I feel like I've really come full circle. My parents were medical missionaries with the Free Methodist Church in the country of what's now called the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I grew up there all of my youth through the age of 17. And now I've come full circle and I'm such a Wesleyan at heart, not only in my name, Wesley, but in theology. And Wesley Brown, we have to talk afterwards. There's not too many, too many Wesleys. <laughs> my only other hope is that one day I can audition along with the brother who sang and the brother who was at the piano and the brother at the drums. I want to audition for the Elliott Family Band. <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing, right? Father, daughter, son, I just love it. And maybe they'll let me sing along one time. <laughs> well, as um, Jake introduced, many of you will now know that beyond my teaching at the Nazarene Theological College associated with the University of Manchester in England, our ministry in Glasgow, Scotland, is now entirely focused on leading the Upper Room Church, which is entirely made up of Muslim background people from the Mideast, from Iraq, Iran, Turkey, Syria, and also Afghanistan. And to get started this morning, I want to introduce to you one of our young men. There he is. <laughs> who have come to us in just the past couple of years. Now, for those watching on live stream, I have to say that we're not showing you this photo and I'm gonna have to change his name for the verbal side of it because we uh, have to protect him. So I'm gonna call him for those listening or watching on live stream, Ali, because that's such a common name. If you call out for Ali, there'll be 50 people stand up in our church. So Ali, but you in the church can see his real name. He is Kurdish Iraqi, and he was 16 years old in this photo when he first arrived. Why a 16-year-old all on his own as a refugee ending up in a severe climate like Glasgow. <laughs> when he first attended the Upper Room Church, I asked him through a Kurdish-speaking translator why he had ended up in Glasgow, and this is what he said. I need a whole new life. I am looking for a whole new life. And that leads us beautifully into my hope this morning to share some thoughts from John's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 38 to 46, that have become hugely important for our work generally in the Upper Room Church. For people whose only experience with God is religion that is deadening, far from life-giving 
or providing the whole new life that someone like Ali was seeking. I love this passage from John because it is not in the form of a theological argument, it is not in the form of a propositional doctrine, but it is in the form of what many Bible scholars refer to as a Jesus drama. Jesus teaching us the most profound truths through the most dramatic of moments in real life and death situations. I love this passage as well because I want to suggest to you that it is, this is a drama, historically placed and literal in every respect, but a drama nonetheless enacting Jesus, the one who actually commands life. So let's read these verses right now. This is the amazing account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, but let's pick up at verse 38. Jesus, therefore, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. But I knew that you always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Out came the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. We can note that the final verses in this miracle account, verses 41 to 46, easily arrange under the headings of the prayer of Jesus, the command of Jesus, and reacting to Jesus, but this morning I want to singly look at the command of Jesus in verses 43 and 44. Bible scholars have debated why John particularly mentions that when Jesus summoned forth Lazarus, he particularly did so in a loud voice, in idiomatic Koine Greek, it would have been understood as a shout, actually. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And most agree that it is particularly a loud voice in order to echo, as though resounding down through the corridors of history, to echo God's own voice, verbal decrees in Genesis chapter 1, 
wherein we read over and over and over again, God simply said, and life erupts. It's well known in gospel studies that the correlations between John's gospel and Genesis 1 and 2 are quite pronounced. And Jesus speaks loudly and forcefully here so as to echo the command of God that assuredly promotes life, produces life. He speaks and life erupts in accord with the very voice of God, the voice of deity in the creation accounts. And in this account, life erupts here. In fact, life is restored here. In fact, life is resurrected here. Christ himself, you see, is the source of real life and real ongoing living, in fact. Because the new living provided for Lazarus was not in the hereafter, but for now, in the ongoing earthly life that Lazarus would now be enabled to continue because wonderful as his resurrection is, Lazarus will die again. This is about his life now, new life. Of course, it does not preclude the reality of eternal life in the post-mortem experience for all who put their trust in Jesus. But here, the miracle of Lazarus is clearly the picture of new life, new living for today, now. It is at Jesus' command that you can have life now. One well-known Bible scholar who is acclaimed as an expert in John's gospel puts it beautifully this way. The authority of Jesus is so great that had he not specified Lazarus, all the tombs would have given up their dead to resurrection at the life-giving command of Jesus. Wouldn't that have been something if he had not specified Lazarus? Every tomb that could hear his voice, the dead would arise. It is deliberately and provocatively in John's vernacular choices the language of command of one with life and death authority, like a military order, or better, a creational order so that it is not Jesus suggesting, it is not Jesus even commending, it is Jesus commanding life out of death. Do you want real life, real living? Not just after you die, but now? Seek it from the one who commands it. That is Jesus Christ. At the same time, concomitant with this, in fact, but highly 
highlighted particularly by Jesus himself is the reality that Jesus' command is also, very importantly, a calling out. That is literally, according to the original language, what it's, he says when Jesus shouts in verse 43, even though many versions translate it, Lazarus, come forth, it most literally is here, Lazarus, come out. Lazare duro exo in the original language. And what is Jesus command calling Lazarus out of? Well, of course, out of death. He is dead and decaying in a tomb. This is why John includes the very almost humorous, graphic and provocative language of Martha back in verse 39. Martha, the sister of the disease, said to him, Lord, now she's talking about her own brother. By this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead for days. John wants us to know that Lazarus is truly, exceedingly, completely, absolutely dead. So much so that there will be the putrid smell of decomposition. There will be a stench, Jesus. Jesus shouts the very command of creation, come out. Come out of emptiness. Come out of formlessness. Come out of darkness. Come out of ex nihilo, out of nothing, like creation itself. But it is not just a calling out of being dead. As we know, the gospel writer John, while being a completely reliable historical source and accurate witness to all things of Jesus, is also a master with pictures and symbolism and the power of metaphor, such that we can say that this miracle account includes John's symbolic and metaphorical way so that it is depicting a literal calling out of death itself, but that it is also more than that. It is, in fact, a call out of deadness. It is, in fact, a call out of all that is deadening in your world, in your life, in your culture, in your social community. All that a completely dark and dank tomb evokes in your mind, in your soul, and in your emotions where life has turned into decomposition, into decay, and it's beginning to smell. Perhaps this is what Ali was hinting at. Perhaps there was deadness so enveloping his life that he was seeking a new life. This grand miracle, you see, is a reminder that Jesus himself calls you and me out of all that is deadening rather than life-giving, out of a culture that promotes 
deadness rather than life. Earlier this month, I spent eight days in Ukraine, in the city of Kiev, teaching at a seminary there, where the awful culture of death has been forced by Putin and his minions upon an entire country. And yet Christians are promoting life. Jesus calls you and me out of all that death represents eternally, yes, but also right now. You want that? You want that in your life? Only Jesus Christ can command it. Simply at the command of his voice, Tom, come out. Susan, come out. Lori, come out. Michael, come out. Jake, come out. Cynthia, come out. Amanda, come out. Of all that is about death and deadening and decay. But it is even yet more extensive than that because the metaphor in this account is also clearly alluding to how Jesus also frees us from even the trappings of death and sin. Trappings is an English way, of course, of referring to the outward signs, features, objects associated with something particularly, and in this case, things associated with death. And the biblical reason that death intrudes into our experience at all, that is sin. This is why, of course, John describes the scene for us so graphically in verse 44. Out came the man who had died. He who had died came out bound hand and foot with wrappings and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. It is a compelling picture, isn't it, of being bound up, the very trappings as the result of death and as a result generally of sin in the world that is the Bible's underlying reason that death exists at all. And cultures of death come out of sin, which is why the whole point of Jesus' miracle here is to tell us, but even more so to show us in a Jesus drama that his purpose is to set us free from these trappings, which is why he says at the end of verse 44, unbind him, unbind him. That's a word for you, unbind John, Wesley, Colleen, and let him go. It is a command from Jesus Christ whose intent is to set us free, not only at after-death experience, but right 
now from the very trappings of sin that bring death around us. Oh, but did you notice one last thing? Seemingly such a small detail, but oh so important, how John, the writer of this gospel, adds a significant note when he describes Lazarus coming out of the tomb. This is how he emphasizes it. Out came the man who had died bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Why does John specify this? Why does he want us to know this detail? Why not suffice to say he was bound hand, hand and foot with wrappings and leave it at that? Because, of course, it would be picturing Lazarus stumbling around because he would not be able to see. Because even his face is wrapped around with the trappings so as to, in effect, blind him. The message to us even today is plain and clear, isn't it? Trappings of sin and death in our world and in our lives and in our cho choices cause us to stumble around and therefore get hurt and therefore hurt others and cause hurt because they render us spiritually blind. Why does John want you to have in your mind's eye this picture of he's wrapped, but even his entire face? It's a picture of how sin blinds us. The culture of death blinds us. When Jesus commands, unbind him, let him go, it also includes the freedom to see again. Unbind those claws around his eyes. Let him see. It is a symbol, a metaphor of how sin and death cause spiritual blindness, but Jesus Christ can restore spiritual sight and give you vision. Do you want that? Do you need to see more clearly? Has perhaps the culture of death that is part of the our culture so deeply embedded in everything around us as a result of sin, perhaps have you become blind? Jesus says to you, relating to you, unbind him, unbind her, let her go, let him go. This is a Jesus drama in which the historical account of raising Lazarus from the dead is meant to open your eyes to the possibility of a whole new life.
And so we come back to the story of Ali. Ali was only 16 years old. The photo that you're seeing, but not on live stream, was taken just a number of weeks ago at Upper Room Church. He's now going on, he's 17, soon, soon to turn 18. The reason he was seeking a whole new life, it's rather hard and difficult, but you need to know, and I have his permission to tell you, is because he was being forced to perform sexual acts on very old men of his village in retaliation towards his family simply because they were Kurdish and they were seen as not strict enough. Muslims, they were Sunni rather than Shia. The punishment was enacted upon their young son forced into same-sex relations with the old men of the village. This is why he felt his life was enveloped by death. But here's the next chapter of Ali's story. Just about six months after he arrived, Ali came forward and knelt, committed his life to Jesus Christ. He was to be baptized last year, 26 May, but he developed some kind of skin rash, and so we had to delay it, and so he's now going to be baptized on May 11, soon after we get back one of 18 that will be baptized in May, another 17 will be baptized in June, another 16 will be baptized in July. Last summer when I saw Ali at the conclusion of our Bible and baptism class that he had attended for all these months, I asked him how he was doing. And again, by way of a Kurdish-speaking translator, he said, with a huge smile, just like that, Father Wesley, I really have a whole new life. I think he's been resurrected. I think Jesus has resurrected him from the dead. What a miracle drama. Jesus commands life itself for you. Jesus calls you out of all that is deadening. Jesus frees you from the very trappings of sin and the culture of death that it produces. 
Jesus opens your eyes to see where maybe you have become blind. Do you want that today? I urge you, maybe skip the coffee and come and pray. There'll be a pastor here. I will say hello at the door, but there'll be other pastors here, I'm sure, from this church. Maybe you need a whole new life. Thank you, Lord, for Ali. Thank you for resurrecting him from the dead. And teach us from your word today, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.